Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. You can find that in your worship folder. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither store, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart heart will be also." Amen. You may be seated. And as you take a seat, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we look at his word together. God, we come to you this morning with many different situations, many different circumstances, with hearts that can be heavy, with anxiety and worry, but we're grateful for the gift of your word, which has something to speak to us this morning, that you call us not to be anxious but you give us much more, many more reasons, truth there that we can grab a hold on to and trust. And I pray that your word would speak this morning and your word would bring comfort and assurance to us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, anxiety is a crushing weight that does deeply affect the soul. I read this week that uh, at least 40 million people are clinically diagnosed with some form of anxiety. And that was just adults. How many more millions would it be if we added students or if we added children? And this article didn't address the millions of people who aren't part of that statistic but who walk around each day with worries about their daily needs or worries about the future or have sleepless nights caused by various concerns. The truth is that anxiety, it packs a a heavy punch and when it hits us, it can hit us hard. So, so what, what do we do? What do we do when we're in the midst of, of anxious worry and, and anxious concern? Well, well, you all know the song, right? In every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. Right? Is, is that our response? Just, just be happy? Or worry, 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 worry just will not seem to leave my mind. Well, I've been saved by a woman, says Ray LaMontagne in his song, Trouble. His answer, his solution is a relationship. Is that it? Is that our solution for worry and anxiety is just be happy? Is it a relationship? Is it finding the right job? Is it escaping on a vacation? Well, those can be helpful, 
but they don't free us from anxiety in our core. Our text this morning speaks to this very issue. And Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not worry. Don't let worry consume your heart or consume your mind. Why? Well, anxiety, it's, it's a universal struggle, isn't it? Every one of us sits here at some point in our life under the weight of anxiety. Some experience it daily. And the devastating effects are that it truly, it chokes out our intimacy with God. And not only that, it actually can hinder our fruitfulness for God when we're in the midst of anxiety. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 8 as Jesus tells this parable of the sower. And he said, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Did you hear that? The cares and the riches of this world, they choke out the word and their fruit does not mature. So I wonder this morning, are you feeling distanced from God, lacking intimacy with him? Well, could it be because you're anxious about the things of this life? Are you experiencing a dry season in your ministry or or in your relationships and you don't see much fruit? Well, are you filled with anxiety over the things of this life because when anxiety grips our hearts what we tend to do is we begin to prioritize the things of this life above the things of God's kingdom it causes this shift pastor lee last week he preached on the dangers of greed this man comes out and yells at jesus says tell my brother to share his inheritance with me and then jesus goes on to share this parable of a rich fool who ex- and exposes his selfish self-centered pursuit of his wealth and use of his wealth and says, do not lay up treasure for yourselves. Do not be greedy, but be rich towards God. The antidote, as Pastor Stephen Lee said, to greed is is giving. He said this, giving loosens our death grip on money. So his disciples hear the dangers of greed and the call instead to, to give. So Jesus knew that the mind would wander. And the mind would wonder as well, if, if I start to give and I, and, I, and I don't quite have much to begin with, well, what will I do? How will I provide for myself? <laughs> How will I provide food for myself or my family? I read this week this quote. It says, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough. You see, our passage and Stephen Lee's passage last week, it's, it's the flip side of the coin. It's talking about anxiety, it's talking about greed, but it's both about our life. We can be greedy about money, wanting more of the things of this life, or we can be anxious about money, money, thinking we don't have enough. We might not have enough for our life. So verse 22, as we look at that, Jesus turns away from the larger crowd and he looks to his disciples and he speaks very plainly and he speaks very pastorally to his flock because he wants to care for them and he wants to free them from anxiety. He wants to care for them and care for their anxious souls. But but let's, let's think for a moment. How are you sitting here this morning? How are you personally? How is College Church sitting here this morning? What are the anxieties that fill our minds and fill our hearts? Are you anxious here this morning, worried about your retirement? Are you anxious about your health? 
Are you anxious about how you're going to provide for yourself and provide for your family? Are you anxious about your kids, your kids' health, your kids' education, your kids' future? Are you anxious about college? Are you anxious about your grades? Are you anxious about what's going on in the world? Are you anxious about your relationships, your marriage, your aging parents, your relationship status, your social status, your unemployment, your job security, your future? Are you anxious? Do you walk out your doors each and every day anxious about the uncertainties of life? Every one of us sits here at some point in our life, and some of you are sitting here under the weight of anxiety this morning. And I thank God that we have this word in Luke chapter 12, because we all worry about providing for and protecting ourselves and those close to us, and it can consume our mental energy and can even paralyze us to the point where it chokes out our spiritual intimacy and can choke out our spiritual effectiveness. Now, Jesus is not against planning. He's not against preparing. He's not against working hard. That is good in God's mind. But Jesus is calling out anxiety over these things. He's calling out worry, and he's addressing our tendency to make a higher priority out of certain things in life than we ought to and than we should. So what we're going to see as we look at this passage is that trusting God's loving concern for us frees us from our anxious concerns about life so that we can invest ourselves in the eternal concerns of the kingdom. Let me put that a little bit more simply. Trusting God's loving concern frees us from our anxious concern so that we can seek God's kingdom concern. That's where we're headed. Those are the three points we're going to look at is our concerns, yet God's concern, but then kingdom concerns. So let's look at our passage starting in verse 22. First, our concerns. We have a list of anxious concerns about life, but what does Jesus say right there at the beginning to his disciples? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, fortunately, Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, don't be anxious, and then go on. But he gives us reasons. He gives us insight. He gives us truth. He says, don't be anxious about life's needs because, verse 23, life is more than food and clothing. Anxiety does a good job of making us worry about surviving, doesn't it? makes us worry about daily necessities and makes us make those things the ultimate, the end goal. But Jesus is saying these are not the end goal. Now again, Jesus, he's not calling for laziness. He's not calling out working and providing for, for ourselves and for others, but he's calling out anxiety over these things, worry over these things, which is a crippling thing. See, when we're consumed by anxiety, what it does is it shifts our fake focus away from God's purposes and fixates us upon our own needs. And what we tend to veer from is we tend to veer from a growing love of God and his glory. And what we tend to veer from is we veer from a growing love for others and their good. And what we tend to veer from is a growing growth in godliness. So instead, we're fixated on our own needs. 
but I want you to think for a moment about our Savior Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, Jesus was fasting and he was praying in the desert. And then the devil comes and, and tempts Jesus and says, hey, turn those stones into food. And what does Jesus say? How does he respond? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, food, it is important. But the food of God's word and living in faith and obedience to God is of greater importance. And think of Luke chapter 10. Jesus addresses the priorities of God's word. And, and what does he tell this lawyer? He says, the law is summed up in this, love God and love others. And what about the prayer we, we prayed together, the Lord's prayer? How instructive is it that it doesn't start with, Lord, Give us our daily bread. Give us our daily food. But how does the Lord's Prayer start? It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In my house on one of our walls, there's this wooden plaque that, that rests there. And it's, it's a poem by C.T. Studd. And I reference this a lot with our, our high school students. And here are a few lines from it. It says this, only one life, yes, only one Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How I lose sight of those words so often. Anxiety shifts my focus away from those words and Jesus wants to free us from our anxiety so that we might again embrace that purpose. Life is, is more than, than food and clothing. So Jesus addresses here as we move on in this passage, he addresses our anxious concerns by placing in front of us God's greater and loving concern towards us and he wants to set us free from the grips of anxiety but I know that many of you here this morning you, you hear those as, as distant words because your daily experience is that you feel the pressure of anxiety and worry and the pressures of this life each and every day and when things seem out of your control you start to to worry or you've had significant challenges in the past and so you're you're worried and anxious about what might happen to you in the future or you've just been in a dark season over the last few months and just feel the weight of worry and anxiety over those things going on in your life. And you're saying, you're, you're telling me not to be anxious, but how could I not be anxious? There's, there's too much to worry about in my life and in the world. It can almost feel as though there's a lack of sympathy for circumstances. But, but here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus knows that our eyes can be focused on the temporal and the present and, and, and he wants us to, to see beyond that and to shift our focus, to shift our perspective towards the eternal things, towards the bigger picture, because he knows that our heart will ultimately be shaped by that. So Jesus responded to the anxious soul with the command in verse 22, which may seem impossible, but, but here in these next few verses, verse 24 and beyond, Jesus provides the assurance that our anxious souls need. And it's God's concern for us. 
So he wants us to consider a few things. He wants us to consider the fruitlessness of worry, but he also wants us to consider the faithfulness of God. And that's what he puts before us ultimately so that we might see God's loving care and provision for his flock. Look at verse 24. It says in verse 24, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither have, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Now, ravens are probably not the most popular bird, are they? <laughs> in fact, in the Old Testament, they were considered unclean. And they were described in the same sentence as, as a nasty, ugly vulture. <laughs> now, my daughter, she, she loves birds. And one of the first few words that, that she would say, she would come down and look out the window. She'd say, birdie, birdie. And she would spend just minutes and an and hour just kind of looking out the windows, just trying to watch and look for birds. But I'll tell you what, if there's a nasty looking raven that's right in front of my daughter, I'm saying, get away. <laughs> You're not coming near us. Those nasty little things. A raven. But God even cares for that squawking, nasty, ugly raven. He even provides for them. How much more, how much more does God value you? How much more does God care for us? How much more does God provide for us? They are cared for. Well, verse 25, he continues to, to give us reasons why we shouldn't worry. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? He says, can, can you add time to your life? Can you add an hour? The simple answer is, is no, you can't. Life can't be controlled. Life can't be changed by our anxiety. We're dependent creatures, totally reliant on God for our life and for our breath. And if we can't add time to our life, what makes us think that we can change our circumstances and change our situations with worry? And in fact, what worry and anxiety do, it, they, they don't add anything. It actually takes from us, doesn't it? Anxiety takes from us. It, it takes from us energy. It takes time from us. It takes money from us. It takes hair from our heads. And Jesus is wanting to shape our perspective and our vision on life so that we can see our situations through this lens. Well, he said, hey, consider the ravens, but, but also consider the lilies. We're, we're getting this, this lesson, this education from nature. Look down at verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You know, Wheaton's terrain, it's flat as a pancake, isn't it? <laughs> You're not going to see many hills. But if you've ever lived in a hill country and you've ever been out in nature in one of those environments, you see the beauty of God's creation. And you see the beauty of the wildflowers that fill the rolling hills in God's creation. And Jesus says, hey, they don't work to create anything, but their beauty that they receive from God even surpasses Solomon's glorious clothing and glorious robes. I read this, that the beauty God creates is incomparably better than what even the wealthiest people can produce. But not only that, the, the grass, it's, it's here and then it, it's gone in an instant. 
It, it, it vanishes. It's like picking up a grass on a golf course and the wind blows it and it's, it's gone. Poof. It's done. It says, if God cares for even the flowers and even the grass and clothes them in such a beautiful way and then it's gone tomorrow, how much more will he provide for you? How much more will he care for his flock and for his children and will he provide for us So what is Jesus wanting us to do? How is he wanting up to this point to respond and even to apply things into our own life? Is is Jesus wants us to consider God's abundant care and abundant provision for us. Why? So that our trust would be strengthened and that our trust would be securely in him and not in the things of this world. Jesus wants to shift our security in that way. And he exposes at the end of verse 28 what is the, the ultimate core of anxiety. He says, oh, you of little faith, a lack of faith, a lack of trust. So what's going to deepen our trust in God and free us from the grips of anxiety? I want you to do this with me. Just turn two chapters back to chapter 10 in Luke. And I want you to see this interaction between Mary and Martha And Jesus, listen to these words. In verse 38 of chapter 10, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Did you hear those precious words of Jesus' care for Martha? Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things in this life. Come, sit at my feet. Listen, listen to my teaching. Trust in me. Rest in me. There was something that Martha was missing. She was anxious and distracted and even filled with bitterness and frustration, but she was missing Jesus who was right in front of her. How can, how can I fight anxiety? Well, the first thing is to do exactly what Mary did, sit at the feet of Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to his words here and trust them and receive them and enjoy his presence. And any anxious thoughts that that Mary had were now calmed. And in Luke 12, we have an opportunity just like Mary to listen to the words of Jesus and to sit under his teaching. You know, in my moments of anxiety over work, or, or difficult relationships or the, or the future of my family or providing for my family, I can picture Jesus looking at me and saying, Ben, you, you're anxious and you're troubled about, about many things. Sit, sit at my feet and rest in me and trust in me. The one saying these very words to Martha, these one, the one saying these very words to us today in Luke chapter 12 is the one who also went straight to the cross who went straight to the cross to sacrifice himself for us as the ultimate demonstration of God's care and God's provision for his people, displaying God's great generosity for us. What's what's our deepest problem? Our deepest problem is our sin. What's our deepest need? It's forgiveness. It's a relationship with God. And yet Jesus has solved that problem at the cross. 
Jesus has dealt with our deepest and greatest need in his death and resurrection. So I wonder this morning, are you, are you trusting deeply in the sacrifice of Christ in your place, in God's ultimate provision for you? We're in his loving hands. We're in his loving care. I was reminded of Pastor Bruce Wilson's testimony in, in, in February, excuse me, in the evening service. And, and he realized that as his responsibilities were increasing, his time with the Lord was, was decreasing. And, and it led to a, a burnout in his life. He said it, needed to be, it needs to be the, the exact opposite. As, as things increase, responsibilities increase, our intimacy and time with the Lord should increase each and every day. And how true is that when we worry and when we're anxious is that we tend to decrease our time with the Lord. But here as we're sitting here anxious and worried about the things of this life, we are to increase our time with God. Trusting in his promises, reading his promises, asking God to deepen our trust in them and our faith in them, even faith that we might not believe that we have. See, trusting deeply in our loving God, it has impact on us. Our life situations, they they may not change, but our security will. And this makes all the difference because when our security is rooted in God, the call on our life, it's no longer clouded, but it becomes very clear. We become free from anxiety so that we can now devote ourselves to the concerns of God's kingdom. That's our third thing this morning. Jesus' final call for the anxious soul as we look at this passage is is seek the priorities, seek the concerns of the kingdom. Don't seek the things of of this life. Don't be filled with anxiety over them, placing your security in them and providing for yourself. That's, That's a worldly end goal, he says. Look at verse 30. For the nations of the world seek after these things, but your Father knows that you need them. Instead, verse 31, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. God knows what you need, Jesus says. He will provide what you need, not necessarily in our timing, not necessarily all that we want, or maybe not even in this life. But we know that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. His promises to rule over us as king, a loving king, guarding us, protecting us, caring for us, providing for us, ultimately saving us through Jesus. It says verse 32, it's his joy, his good pleasure to give his flock, his sheep, the kingdom. What a great and generous God we have. So what does it mean to seek God's kingdom? What does that mean? Well, put simply, it means that that, that we might live and we might speak and we might give at any cost to ourselves, ultimately to advance the loving rule of God in our own lives and in the world. Our deepest motivation to seek God's kingdom in this way, it's found all over these verses. It's his generosity towards us, his grace towards us, his love towards the flock. And as we trust in him, we we start to to seek the kingdom and and live in a way that that, that represents him in the world. And as we continue to, to trust in God's care and provision, it means speaking words and proclaiming the gospel in our spheres of influence. And it means giving generously so that we might imitate his generosity towards us. And that's where Jesus lands in these last few verses. He, he focuses his teaching on giving. He's talked about greed. 
He's talked about anxiety, and here it comes. Here's how he ends this whole entire section. He says, you know, we can be anxious about money and about provision and about protecting ourselves, but as we trust deeply in Christ and in God and his provision for us, it frees us to do what? To, to, to now give. It frees us to give. Look at these final words in verse 32. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus' words, sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Instead of investing yourself. In the things of this earth, invest in the eternal concerns of heaven. Invest in, in heavenly things where nothing can be stolen and nothing will grow rusty or, or old. Why? Why? Well, Jesus tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because a heart that's filled with Christ and is focused on eternity will flow into a life that gives generously to others. So our, our anxious concerns... They need to be replaced with a trust in God's loving concern for us, ultimately at the cross. So, so this week, this week, will you spend time considering the abundant care of God, the abundant provision of God for you, and resting in those promises? Will, will you replace anxiety by instead seeking God's eternal kingdom and seeking to live as a representative for Christ, wherever that might be, to speak of him in those relationships, in those situations, and ultimately to, to give an imitation of God. I wonder after these two weeks, maybe the Holy Spirit has been pressing down upon your heart as you, as, as you think about giving, as you think about seeking the kingdom, and maybe God is, is weakening your tight grip and your greedy grip on money, or maybe he's, he's weakening your, your anxious grip on the things of, of this life that are consuming you. And he's calling us to trust him and to seek his kingdom, which can be seen in one way very tangibly in the use of our treasure, in the use of our possessions, in the use of our stuff. So maybe you're here this morning and God has, in the last months or years, he's, he's placed something on your heart to serve him, maybe in missions. Maybe you're sitting here and he's called you to do missions, but, but you're anxious about what you might be giving up. And you're anxious and you're worried about what that might mean. And here Jesus might call you to sell your possessions and might call you to give of yourself to an unreached people group and to serve in that way. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe that means that, that you need to reevaluate your checkbook and your, and your finances and say, what does it look like to shift and to, to refocus how we're using our possessions for ultimately seeking God's kingdom and seeking God's good or maybe it means that, that, that you're giving your home. You're opening up your home to families that are desperately in need. Could be something like safe families, where you open up your, your house to children or teenagers whose families are going through difficult circumstances, but you give up some of your freedoms, you give up some of your time, you give up some of your resources so that you can welcome in those who are, in, who are very needy and in broken situations in our own community. Or filling up your fridge to bring food to those who, who need that this week. In our church, in our congregation. Inviting people to your house. Not just to feed them, but to care for them. 
throughout many of the spiritual or, or challenges that they might be experiencing, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, anxiety wants to choke out our intimacy with God, and it wants to choke out our fruitfulness for God. I pray that college church, that, that, that we seek God's kingdom and invest in eternal things, in, in, in heavenly things, and we live vibrantly as witnesses and representatives of God and speak of him boldly, but, but give generously as God has generously given to us because Jesus wants to free us from anxiety and captivate us with the great love of God and the great care that God has shown us so that we could seek his kingdom. There's no more profitable investment. Well, as we conclude this morning, we're going to sing this song by basically crying out to God, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. We're crying to God, use my life, all of it, all my stuff, all my possessions, not a mite would I withhold. Let's pray with that in mind. God, we do come to you this morning. We ask that you would deepen our trust. We ask that you would help us to see your abundant care and provision ultimately in Christ and that we would give of ourselves, give of what we have, give of our time, give of our energy, give of our resources to advance your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.